A sermon is where the rubber meets the road, where the gospel touches real life in all its complexity. In that context, I offer this homily. Shepherds drive their flocks here in the United States. Sheepdogs guide them in Scotland and New Zealand. Amazing to watch. In the Middle East, shepherds lead their flocks, walking ahead of them, listening, looking all around, sensitive to difficulty or danger. Shepherds there tend to be very young, teenagers or younger. When they're on duty, they often carry in their left hand a wooden rod with a knobbed end embedded with flint or nail to fend off offenders, animal or human. In their right hand, they have a shepherd's crook, a staff. Sometimes, at the end of it, a little bell, which can be heard from long distances. And some sing, and some play a flute, like this. So the flocks know their shepherd by sound and sight. And the shepherds know each one of their sheep. Even when they get intermingled, they know each of them and can separate easily. Jeremiah, by nature a gentleman, writes of good shepherds and bad. One thing we learn from his writings and from other prophets, there's a moral force in life that works as sure as gravity. I don't know how, but I am convinced that the moral force exists. We are fortunate to have a good shepherd as our bishop in El Camino Real, but as president of Diocesan Standing Committee a decade ago, I had to deal with a shepherd who was hurting his flock. In a sermon back then, I had to say, I no longer trust our shepherd. Sad and heavy words. In a similar way, I must now confess that I no longer trust some of the leaders of our country. Scary words, and I mean them. And confess to being a bit fearful even to touch the present situation. But how do we not deal with shepherds who care more for themselves, their power and control, than for the safety and well-being of their people? It is not a subject I would want to address from the pulpit. But working on this sermon since the first of the month, today's lessons compelled me to speak. <clears throat> Jeremiah writes with some force, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, says the Lord concerning the shepherds, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed. The days are coming when I will raise up a virtuous branch who will deal wisely and shall practice honesty and integrity in the land. That word righteousness, in our language, integrity.
The same applies to America now as it did to ancient Israel then. The Lord expects justice and righteousness. 600 years after Jeremiah, Jesus taught how blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what is right, for integrity. One day Jesus was trying to get some R&R for himself and his disciples, but as he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus understood that sheep are very vulnerable when there's no shepherd to lead them, care for, or defend them. We hear of that good shepherd from the 23rd Psalm, the Jerusalem Bible translation reflecting ancient Hebrew. Listen to it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In meadows of green grass he lets me lie. To the waters of repose he leads me. There he revives my soul. He guides me by paths of virtue for the sake of his name. Though I pass through a gloomy valley, I fear no harm. Beside me, your rod and your staff are there to hearten me. You prepare a table before me under the eyes of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup brims over. Ah, how goodness and kindness pursue me every day of my life. My home the house of the Lord, as long as I live. The Lord, whose name is life, loves justice and loving kindness. God is that moral force behind the universe. And the image of the good shepherd, we lack nothing as he cares for us, nourishing us, even with enemies all around, reviving us with refreshing water, our lives brimming over as his goodness and kindness pursue us every day. I love my country, and I am a firm believer in the separation of church and state. That does not mean that the church must be mute on political issues. If the church does not stand publicly against injustice and the assault on truth, it is spiritually impotent, cut off from its prophetic heritage, which was built on justice. The divisiveness and racism being promulgated in our country in our time should be disturbing to any follower of Jesus. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. The Christian resistance against Hitler in Germany was called the Confessing Church, over against the church that went along to preserve itself, its property, and status. A few days before the end of World War II, one of the primary leaders of that Confessing Church, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor, was hanged by the Nazis. One of my life experiences came after an ecumenical wedding when I was assisted by a newly ordained Roman priest who gave the most pathetic sermon I had ever heard. It was terrible. At the reception, a parishioner pointed out a guest saying, I respect her more than anyone I've ever met. Suddenly, I found myself confronted by that wedding guest. 
with a foreign accent, she said, you are either the most stupid or most gracious priest to have stood there with a smile listening to that horrible sermon. <laughs> oh, thank you, I laughed, giving her a big hug. Obviously, she was as wonderful as advertised. She explained that in her country, the wedding homily was a gift of the pastor, very personal and full of meaning. We had a wonderful conversation. Later, my parishioner said, I see you met my friend. Yes, and she is terrific. Do you know who she is? No. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's fiance, Maria. Oh my God. It personalized that period with all its pain and sacrifice. I was in tears. As citizens, whatever our political allegiance, we are not, cannot be, sheep. It is time that a confessing church in the United States rise up against intolerance and dishonesty being spouted from high places. Bigotry, packaged in the guise of religious freedom, is being used as a weapon rather than a shield. Daily, we are faced with a deliberate assault on the truth in every aspect of our lives, corporate and scientific. Even scripture is being misused, abused. Last week, two mailing lists addressed to 12 million Christians listed my name as the Reverend to support what is happening in our nation's capital. My brothers and sisters, all this is far-reaching for the future of the United States and its heritage of freedom and religious diversity. Which shepherd are we following? Jesus is the good shepherd, the one we can trust with our lives, even if our following may result in our being harmed, which, if we protest, may actually happen. At such times, and I've been through several in my past, I am reminded of Paul's letter to the church at Rome. We know that by turning everything to their good, God cooperates with all those who love him, with all those that he has called according to his purpose. Nothing, therefore, can come between us and the love of Christ. Even if we are troubled or worried or being persecuted or lacking food or clothes or being threatened or even attacked. For I am certain of this, neither death nor life, no angel, no prince, Nothing that exists, nothing still to come, not any power or height or depth, nor any created thing can ever come between us and the love of God made visible in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we face difficult times, that is my faith. And I will follow Jesus the Good Shepherd, for it is not only goodness and kindness pursuing me, leading me to pass a virtue. There is that moral force that demands from us the body of Christ, justice, integrity, and truth. <laughs>